this morning in Acts chapter 1. Uh, at the, we've been uh, talking the last several weeks about the foundations uh, of the church and, and establishing the fact that uh, the, the one foundation of the church is Jesus Christ and what He has done for us, what we were just singing about, uh, that what He did for us on the cross, our relationship with Him, being a part of, of His family, of His body uh, as the church. And then we have looked at what a church that is built upon Jesus, what it looks like, how it prays, how it serves, how it, how it witnesses, uh, how it uh, dedicates itself to the Word of God and bases everything we do upon the Word of God. We've been looking at all that. And, and today I want us to look at uh, this truth about that it not only is a, 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 was the early church and is a, a biblical church and a true church, not only is it built upon Jesus, but, it, but as being built upon Jesus, it is also filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Those are the, the, the first and the last, or the first and the first, <laughs> if you want to say it. You know, as we're looking at this, this is everything we do. Uh, has to have the, the, not just the stamp of the Holy Spirit upon it, but have the Holy Spirit just all over, telling us what to do, empowering us to do it, and giving us the proper motivation and goals to do these things. Matter of fact, that's how the book of Acts opens up. Uh, Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already risen from the dead. He has been appearing in person uh, to individuals and to groups those 40 days uh, after uh, Calvary, after the resurrection, resurrection and and here in Acts chapter 1 he is fixing to ascend into heaven but these so these are the the last words that Jesus spoke in person uh, to the church there Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 4 which says and being assembled together with them he that's Jesus he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me. I've been telling you about this. I've been giving you this promise. I've been telling you what's fixing to come. And here it is. In verse 5 he said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, Therefore when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What? What are you talking about? Did you not hear what he just said? Uh, and then he, so he clarifies here. I'm, I'm glad Jesus is, is the one that's in charge of stuff because I'm not near as patient as he is. Verse 7, he says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But listen, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. A church that is built on Jesus will be, must be, a spirit-filled church. When I, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, when I, when I talk about the Holy Ghost, what, what comes to mind? You don't have to say it out loud, but what, what is it that comes to mind 
when you, you hear that's going to be the subject of the, the message or that, that comes up in a, in, in a sermon or in a, in a lesson or, or somebody just begins talking about the, the Holy Spirit. Is it, is it confusion? I don't really know what you're talking about. Or is it, is it comfort because you've experienced that the Holy Spirit in your own life and, and, and His comforting hand in, in your own life? Matter of fact, he's called, Jesus calls Him the Comforter. Uh, and stuff. Is it conviction about the fact that your, your life is not filled with the Spirit? Your life is not led? with the Spirit? What, what is it? Do you understand who the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is God. That, he is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Whenever you talk about God, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Whenever you talk about the Father, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Whenever you talk about Jesus, you're talking about the, the, the Holy Spirit as, as, as well. They are three in one. They are, they, are, they, are, they are God. I don't understand all that, but I understand that the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, just, just think about it. Think about it just a moment. Let's just blow our minds just a moment. And maybe you've thought about this before. Maybe it's been a while. But do you realize how small we are? I mean, we are just specks, specks of sand on this earth. And then the earth is just one planet in our, in our solar system. And then this solar system that we're a part of is just one of billions of solar systems in our galaxy called the Milky Way. If you look at the, the, the pictures of the, the Milky Way, you can't even see Earth there. I mean, it is, it is smaller than a speck. Just our, our galaxy in there, one of billions. In, I mean, our, our solar system, one of billions in this, this galaxy of, of, of the Milky Way. I mean, and there's all these stars and all these planets and all these other solar systems. And then our galaxy, the Milky Way, which is, is huge, which is uh, humongous, made up of, of all these solar systems, is just one of billions of galaxies in the universe. And our God spoke it into existence. Just said, let it be, and it was. And understand this, that God lives in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. What are we worried about? Why are we why why are we not living for God? Why what's going on? I mean this this is the the reality. Not only that, but the the Bible confirms all of this and and the Bible, do you understand how much the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit? I don't, I don't think we, we talk about everything else. We talk about all the people of the Holy Spirit. We need to, I mean, the people in the Bible, we need to talk about the Holy Spirit's presence in the Bible. Because, I mean, in Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit was there in creation. He was a part of creation. He participated in creation uh, in that. And that's in Revelation chapter, you go to the last chapter, Revelation 22, where the Holy Spirit's there as well. And he's saying, come, come to God through Jesus Christ. Come, calling all mankind to come to God. And, and all throughout the, throughout the Old Testament, there's the Holy Spirit. He's working. He's, he's with people. He's empowering people there. And then Jesus came. And at the very beginning of his ministry, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and empowered him and equipped him to, to do everything that God had called him to, uh, to do. And then, and then Jesus himself taught over and over about the Holy Spirit and, and told us that the Holy Spirit would be within us. Even his teaching on prayer. Do you realize in, in, in Luke where it talks about the... He gives us the model prayer in, in Luke, and then he talks about asking and seeking and knocking and, and the good gifts that God gives to us. And then he says, you know, talking about if a, 
if a father won't give his son a serpent, you know, instead he will, if, a, if the son asks for a fish, he says, how much more? And usually the way we think that that goes is it says, how much more will God give good gifts to you if you ask him? That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, how much more will the father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? See, there are gifts and there's the gift. And Jesus has given every believer the Holy Spirit. All throughout Acts, everything they did, everything that made a difference, everything that made an impact, everything that, that, that changed the world around them was done in and through the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, I tell you, in, in my life, I'm, I'm thankful. I was just reflecting upon this this week. I'm thankful for what God has done in, in my life. See, that's, when I was saved as a teenager, that's really where the conviction became upon my life is that I was, I was getting old enough, and I was raised in church. And not only was I raised in church, but this is, this is back in the, in the 70s. I'm real old, okay? Uh, this is back in the, in the 70s where there was a, a lot things going on in the church and the Holy Spirit working and moving in people's lives and people becoming aware that, uh, that the Holy Spirit was not just words printed on a page but was real, you know, uh, and, and active in, in, in people's lives. And, and my parents were involved with other people. And so I saw, and, and in, in the church I was involved in at that time, I saw something. I saw the Holy Spirit working and I said, I'm missing something in my life. Not because they were acting crazy or anything like that, but because they had victory, they had freedom, they had, they had a assurance in their life that, that I didn't have uh, and everything. And so the Holy Spirit used that, and the Holy Spirit is the one that began convicting me of that and about the fact that I was very religious and went to church and, and all those things, but I did not have that relationship with God where the Holy Spirit was in my life leading me and guiding me. And so I, I came and I, I, I professed faith in Christ and I gave my life to Jesus Christ and asked him to come into my heart to, to save me, and he did in the person of the Holy Spirit. And things changed, and, there was, and from that moment there was... There there's always been this, this desire, this, this hunger, and this thirst to be controlled and to be led by the Spirit of God. God, even in my, in my, uh, as I surrendered to ministry and put me in opportunities in churches with, with different leaders and pastors and around other guys that, that understood some of these truths and shared with me some of these truths. And, and even as I was uh, pastoring churches, he still brought people into my life that I could talk with about these truths and would teach me some things from their own life, from their own experience, from the Scripture, and help me understand some things. And there's, there's always been this hunger and this, this thirst for, for God and, and, and the Holy Spirit that it has been in my life. Now, I hadn't always moved. There's been times where the Holy Spirit was definitely working and calling me in a direction, and I would, I would shrink away from that. And there have been times when I've, I've thought, well, I've got it figured out now and got caught up in pride. There have been a lot of times when I got caught up in pride and thinking I had it all figured out, and the Holy Spirit have to do a humble work in my life and bring me back to that point of being on my knees saying, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. That's the Holy Spirit, right? And by the way, when, when God brought me here to Underwood almost five years ago, well, actually, I came here as an interim over five years ago. Man, time flies when you're having fun. But uh, 
that was part of my, my praying and talking with the search committee at that time. And what I was part of the reason why I felt God was, was calling me here is I want to be a part of a church where the Holy Spirit of God is in control. Or you can't explain it by great music, great facilities, great preaching. or any, All you can say is God is there. And, that, and there have been times when, when that has happened. There have been times when that's not been the, the overwhelming characteristic. And, and I know there have been times in the past, even before I got here at Underwood, where the Spirit was moving and working. And, and, it, and it's just like in our lives. There are times when we're, we're going gung-ho with that. Then there's times when we begin to, to shrink back and, and back off on some things. And, but I want to see that every week, not just every Sunday, but every week, the Holy Spirit of God using this church, forming this church, molding this church, equipping this church, and, and using this church to make an impact upon this world for Jesus Christ. Because we can't do it on our own. We need a spirit-filled church. That's not the message. That's just my introduction, okay? So, <laughs> so just hold on with this, all right? That's, that's where we're going. That's what we're talking about. Because I, I want us to understand the must of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a must. Do you understand that? He's not a, a benefit. He's not a, 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 just a blessing. He is a must. Matter of fact, we are not a true church. If the Holy Spirit is not filling us and using us and equipping us as a church. That's what he's talking about here in Acts chapter 1 before he ascended to heaven that's what Jesus was talking about first of all we see here that the Holy Spirit is promise the Holy Spirit is promise he said in verse 8 he said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you that's what what is he saying here he's saying he's coming he I promise you that he's coming I've told you that he's coming matter of fact back in verse 4 he told them to stay there in Jerusalem and wait for what for the promise of this father the Father has promised it. Here, Jesus has promised it. And by the way, whatever the, promise, the Father promises and Jesus promises is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is the, the, the promised one there. And so understand what Jesus is saying. When he says the Holy Spirit is coming and the Father says the Holy Spirit is coming and he, he promised that. Understand what he's saying. He's saying, first of all, we need him. That's why he's coming. We can't do it without him. We can't serve God without him. We can't make a difference without him. We can't have victory without him. We can't overcome without him. We can't walk in a, in a holy life that honors God without him. We need him. And not only do we need him, but we can have him. We can have him. Why, why, that's what he's saying here. The Holy Spirit is coming. He's coming. And by the way, here we are on this side. He's come. He has come. The Holy Spirit dominated Jesus' ministry and Jesus' teaching. We've been in the, through the Gospel of Mark or through the, the main portion of the Gospel of Mark there. We're going to pick up next, next week. That's where we're going back to, to Mark. And we've seen how Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, how Jesus um, 
performed and worked through the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit did and, and what he taught about there. It, 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 with John, a matter of fact, when he was, uh, that's what John said. He said that, and he, he quotes it here. Jesus quotes from here in verse 5 where John said, he said, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming who will baptize you, who will immerse you, who will give you the Holy Spirit of God. And then when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, showing us how much we need the Holy Spirit of God to do what God has called us to do. I, I mentioned that uh, there in the, the, the prayer where, where Jesus himself said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then that last night when he was there with the disciples, he told them over and over again, the Comforter's coming, the Comforter's coming. The Comfort will show you what to do. The Comfort will strengthen you when persecution comes. The Comforter will, will guide you in all truth. The Comforter's coming. The Holy Spirit is coming and you uh, you can't do this without him you can't do it without abiding in me and the Holy Spirit living in your life you need him and then here he's saying he's saying I'm fixing to go but he's coming <laughs> he's coming not only do we have the teaching of Jesus but all throughout scripture in the Old Testament there's the, he, he is the promise of the Old Testament the Old Testament promised the Messiah was coming but also promised that when the Messiah come part of what the Messiah would do is he'd bring in this, this, this work of the Spirit of God not just working around us but working within us back in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34 there the prophet says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they sh all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I'll forgive their iniquity and their sin I'll remember no more. He's talking about a personal knowledge, a personal relationship. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit within us. That's even more clear in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26 where he says, I will give you a new heart. Aren't you thankful when you're saved you get a new heart? But that's not all you get. He says, and I will put a new spirit within you and I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What is this new spirit? And just in case you're confused he says very clearly in verse 27 I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them through the power of the spirit within you the Old Testament promised that the spirit will come all all the promises of the word of God are tied up in this one promise of the Holy Spirit do you understand that the promises of, of comfort that we have that comfort comes through the Holy Spirit that is in you the promise of that you'll never be alone. You know why you'll never be alone? The Holy Spirit lives within you. All the promises of God are tied. The promises of victory that are there, that victory is found through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised. And the Holy Spirit is crucial. It's crucial. And verse 5, he, he says there, he talks about the fact that, that John, John the Baptist, truly baptized with the water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's talking about this is a must. It is crucial. It must happen. And then he says, you, wanna, you need power. You need strength. He says, but you'll receive this power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. The power's not in us. The power to do what God's called us to do, to be the 
the church God wants us to be, to to walk with God, to walk in victory, to, to be a powerful witness for God. It is not found in us. It is from God, and it is uh, it is God, the Holy Spirit living within us. It is crucial. See, we don't understand how weak and unable we are. You don't have the power to live the Christian life, to live this life that Jesus is, to live a life like Jesus without the Holy Spirit of God. We are weak. We are unable. He is the only one that can bear eternal fruit. He is the only one that can. You see, this this task that God gave these disciples was huge. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. This was a God-sized task. Jesus by himself couldn't have done that In, in, in human flesh. In human flesh, he couldn't be in different places at the same time. But the church could. The body of Christ. The body of Christ could. And the only way they could do that and make an impact that the world would would come to know Jesus, that people of every tribe, of every tongue would hear the gospel and respond was only through the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit would enable them. The Holy Spirit would clear up these, these clouded minds. The Holy Spirit would soften hardened hearts. And the Holy Spirit would convict of sin. And the Holy Spirit would lead people to put faith in Jesus Christ. It was only through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is crucial. He's the one that makes the difference. He's the one that draws people to Jesus. He's the one that changes lives. He's the one that exalts Jesus in lives, in churches, and in this world. He is crucial. But then understand this, and we see this in this passage, is that the Holy Spirit is easily neglected. Holy Spirit is neglected. See, he he talks about the promise there in verse 5. And then he has to clarify in verse 7 and 8. Why does he have to clarify? Because some of the disciples just don't get it. <laughs> Still. Verse 6, look what it says. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What? What were you talking See what they're asking him and saying, okay, is it time for you to sit on your throne and us gather around you and stuff? No. Have you missed everything that he's been saying here? He's been talking about the, the fact that, that the world needs Jesus, not just the disciples. The world needs Jesus, and, and they, they need the Holy Spirit to enable them to do it. They've been, they've been missing all of this. You see, all these other things that we talk about is, 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 are, are good and well, but they're, they're not. Eschatology is, 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 you know, we get caught up talking about eschatology and all those things. And eschatology is good. The Bible deals with eschatology. But understand this. You will never be ready for Jesus Christ to come back without the Holy Spirit of God. We, we have issues in our families. We need stronger marriages. We need uh, God's help in, in learning how to be good parents, how to be good grandparents. And Word of God has instruction there. And we need, but you will never be a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly parent without the Holy Spirit of God in control of your life. Sometimes we get caught up in all these other things, even good things, and yet we neglect the Holy Spirit of God. We get easily distracted, and we, we put priorities uh, out of whack. That are there. There's only one priority, and his name is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will always keep us with that one priority. 
And then in our own mind, and, and this is kind of what I think is going on with disciples, we, in our own mind, we can't see it, we can't get it without the Holy Spirit of God uh, working in us, humbling us, because our pride gets in the way, and we get caught up in what we want and what we think and, and, and are not in that place of being teachable and surrendered to Him. And, and what happens is there's a, there's a big gap. That's why today in the church there's a big gap between the book of Acts and what we see in the church today, is there not? We've been preaching on it the last few weeks. We've been talking about the priority of the Word of God. We've been talking about how we need to be a, a, a praying church. We've been talking about how uh, we need the, the Holy Spirit of God to, to endure and to, to go through the trials that, that, the, that, that come in this world. We need the Holy Spirit of God to strengthen our fellowship, to help us to walk in unity. We need the Holy Spirit of God to empower us to witness. Why do we need to preach on those things? Because we don't do it like we should. We don't depend on the Holy Spirit like we should. We need him. Our problem is, is we don't think we need him. Do you understand? You can grow a church without the Holy Spirit of God. You can, you can understand uh, mentally the facts about the Word of God without the Holy Spirit of God. Now, understand, we wouldn't be alive without the Holy Spirit of God. That's not what I'm saying. But we can, we can understand the facts, and we can misapply the facts. We can, we can, have, we can put on a big show and, and do things that people want and that people are attracted to and have the greatest uh, uh, music program and, and have uh, great preaching that's engaging with funny stories and, and, and all these kinds of things and, and, uh, and, 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 and do all of these things that people in the world want and draw big crowds and all of this and the Holy Spirit of God be absent and nothing be impacted for eternity's sake. I mean, there are Muslim mosques that draw big crowds. There are Mormon churches that draw big crowds. There are country concerts that draw big crowds. There's a lot of things you can do to draw a crowd. But we're talking about a church where the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. And a church that makes an impact upon this world. And a church that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ. And you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. We've got our Southern Baptist Convention this week. And I plan on going meeting in Nashville. And I don't know if you've seen some of the things that are on the news. I've got on my news feed anything that comes uh, about Southern Baptist. I, I get that. And there's a lot out there. I'll tell you what's wrong with our convention right now, and not, not everybody in our convention, but what's wrong generally with our convention right now, the absence of the Holy Spirit of God. We're arguing, fighting over things, and nobody is surrendering themselves to the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what I'm praying would happen, is the Holy Spirit might bring conviction and repentance upon his people. Holy Spirit is neglected. 
The Holy Spirit cannot be neglected. The Holy Spirit must not be neglected. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can do the work that glorifies Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit do? Real quickly here, just, just follow along with me uh, in this passage of Scripture. I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit does, what He did in the book of Acts. First of all, He brings boldness to our witness. He brings a Holy Spirit boldness to our witness. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. We're just going to uh, zip right through this here. He says, uh, and this is after they had been told not to speak one of the first times of persecution uh, within the church. And they came back. You remember we talked about this in the book of Acts. They came back and they prayed. And what did they pray for? They didn't pray for the persecution to stop. They prayed that God would give them boldness that they could continue to tell others about Jesus. And that's exactly what it is. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, that's the church, gathered together there in Jerusalem when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and what happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit they spoke the word of God with boldness the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us boldness that's exactly what Jesus was saying there in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he said you receive power the, what kind of power boldness boldness to be witnesses why the power to, to that you can be a witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the, the earth and to everywhere in this this earth that's what Jesus said would happen and that's what to happen when the Holy Spirit filled it they were bold by bold what we mean here is that they were effective in what they were doing see you can be bold without the Holy Spirit you can you can go in and, and and be mean-spirited toward people and and be so bold that you repel people a, a, away from God. That's not Holy Spirit boldness. That's prideful boldness. But here we're talking about spiritual boldness that doesn't repel people away from Jesus, but enables folks in the midst of, of, of difficult times, in the midst of even persecution, to say, I don't care if I die. I've got to let you know what Jesus did for you. I don't care if they put me in prison. I've got to let you know how much God loves you, what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's Holy Spirit boldness. What is it that keeps us from telling people about Jesus? When you fill with the Holy Spirit, listen, there are a lot of things. I'm not saying that there's nothing that, that, that can because there's a lot of things that, that do. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, those things don't matter anymore. I've got to tell people about him. When the Holy Spirit fills your life, you love the law so much that you'll do whatever you can to see them come to Jesus. If you have him, you've got to share. There's a boldness for witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Not only that, but there's also humility for me. And we need this. The Holy Spirit is the one that humbles us. Look over in Acts chapter 6 and verse 3. Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about this uh, this evening when we do our ordination service. But I just want to read this one verse here in, in, in chapter 3 because what happened here, there was a, a neglect of some widows that was going on within the church. And in verse 3 it says, Therefore, uh, to solve this problem, what we need is we need some people to take care of this. But not just any kind of person here. He says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Appointing over this business means serving the widows. Because men that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God are not concerned about their reputation or their position or anything. They will take care of people. They will serve. They will minister to people. And by the way, the biggest hindrance to being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the biggest reason why our church is not filled with the Holy Spirit of God is what we see in the mirror every morning when we get up. It's me. It's us. 
We stand in the way. We quench the Holy Spirit of God and grieve the Holy Spirit of God because we're so focused upon ourselves and what is convenient and comfortable for us. These guys, they denied themselves because they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God and he enabled them to deny themselves, to serve God, to serve people. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of love and they loved others. Listen, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will lead us down that path of daily death and surrender. Well, we learn what it means to die to ourselves and to surrender everything to God. The Holy Spirit will lead us down a path of deep praying, preparation through prayer to serve the Lord and to serve others. Where the, It's the Holy Spirit of God. And this is the way our prayer life needs to be. And however long, you say, how long should I pray? However long it takes. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, by however long it takes. Is get down on your knees before God and empty yourself of everything until you are filled up with Him. And then get up and go. However long it takes to empty ourselves of ourselves and be filled with Him, that's how long we need to pray. And I'll be honest, for me, sometimes that takes a long time. Deep praying. Full cleansing. You don't fill up this new heart that God's given you with old flesh. The reason he cleanses us of sin is so that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can fill us and lead us and guide us. One of the chief characteristics of the Holy Spirit and of people that are filled with the Holy Spirit is humility. Because the Holy Spirit gives us victory over our pride and ourselves. All the Godhead is full of humility. The Father, in humility, sacrificed His Son for us. The Son, in humility, laid aside His position to become a man, to be the Savior of the world. And the Holy Spirit, in humility, never exalts Himself, but says, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. So when you are filled with God, surrendered to God, led by God, it will demonstrate itself in a life of humility. Humility for me. Tell you what else the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings true unity to the body of Christ. Over in chapter 8, in verse 17, what happened in chapter 8 was the gospel went out from Jerusalem, out from the Jews. And a man by the name of Philip took it to a place called Samaria who were not true Jews, according to most Jews. But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit doesn't care where you came from. The Holy Spirit doesn't care what color skin you have. The Holy Spirit of God doesn't care uh, what economic status you're in. The Holy Spirit only sees lost people in need of Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit saves you, we're all put on the same ground.
as children of God. That's what happened in Acts chapter 8 and verse 17. When these people were saved, when they gave their lives to Jesus Christ, it says they laid hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. These non-Jews received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they'd been saved by Jesus Christ. And they received the Holy Spirit. And not only these, these Samaritans that were not true Jews, but the, the Gentiles who were not Jews at all. Look over in, in Acts chapter 10 and verse, verse 44 there. Uh, he talks about there that, that Peter has this vision and, and God sends him to go to these Gentiles, these, these non-Jews. And, and at this time, this was a big debate about was it salvation just for the Jews so the Jews could be saved? Does somebody have to become a Jew to be saved? And here are these folks that, that are not Jews at all. And they just... They they're convicted and Peter tells them what Jesus did for them and they put their faith in Jesus and they get saved and just to make sure that you know that they're truly saved there in Acts chapter 10 and verse 44 it says when Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished the Jews that were there were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon Gentiles also see that's what the Holy Spirit of God does Holy Spirit takes away everything that divides us and brings us together as the body of Christ. Puts us together in, in that way. He brings us together. When the Holy Spirit saves you, he puts that, that same love for Jesus in all of us. He changes us. He helps us to see how much Jesus loves us. And our response is to love him. We may be different in every other way, but we all have a, a love for our Savior, a love for the one who died for our sins. And not only that, but he fills our heart with that love of Jesus, that Jesus loves the world so much uh, that he gave his life for us. The Father loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son and the Holy Spirit loves us so much that he wants us to know Jesus and will do whatever it takes that we might know this Jesus that we might be saved and so that same love fills us for one another and for the lost world around us as well see this is listen understand what the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit looks at someone he doesn't see gay and straight he doesn't see Muslim or Hindu he doesn't see Democrat or Republican. He sees lost and saved. And we need to start seeing people that way as well. That will help our witness. If instead of trying to define whatever sin they're caught up in, we just see them as sinners in need of Jesus. And that's what they are. And every one of us that has been saved is a sinner saved by Jesus. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit does that. He brings unity. I'll tell you what else the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings glory for Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the goal. Acts chapter 21, verse 20. This is when Paul is getting toward the end and he comes back to the church at Jerusalem and tells them about all these people have been saved. You know what the end result of all these missionary journeys, you know what it is? Acts chapter 21 and verse 20, when they heard it, and matter of fact, he says, I'm going because the Holy Spirit's leading me. I'm going because the Holy Spirit's leading me. I'm going to Macedonia because the Holy Spirit's leading me. I'm going back to Ephesus because the Holy Spirit's leading me. I'm going back to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is leading him. So when he gets there, what did they do? When they heard it, they glorified the Lord. That's what happened. And they said to him, you see 
brothers, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law, and they go into the, the conflict that awaits them, but they all glorified the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit does. God is glorified in our salvation. God is glorified every time someone is saved. God is glorified in our sanctification and making us like Jesus and the victories that we have in our life. Matter of fact, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 16. And there he said that this is what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The church and us individually, but the church as a whole will never bring glory to Jesus when we're not led and controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It'll be about us, not about Him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know I preached a while this morning, and there's a lot more we could say about the Holy Spirit. But understand this. We need the Holy Spirit of God. And understand this, the Holy Spirit, when He comes and when He works, is not just for me. There are benefits that I get from the Holy Spirit. Listen listen to me. There are benefits that we get from the... I receive comfort because of the Holy Spirit, but the Bible doesn't teach me that that comfort's just for me. Matter of fact, Paul said, that comfort that you've received, comfort others. I'm saved. I've been sa- I, had a, I had a youth minister that shared with me the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, and, and I gave my life to Jesus, and, and I was saved, and I'm thankful that I'm saved. I'm going to be with God for But that salvation that I have, I need to share it with others. And when the Holy Spirit is leading us, he leads us to others. He leads us to minister to others, to serve others, to help others, to comfort others, to share the gospel with others. Let me ask you today, would, would you join with me in prayer and let's stop grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Let's surrender to Him. I don't know what all that means, but I want it to mean something. And I want to do what He tells us to do. Go where he tells us to go and honor Jesus Christ. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.